0: Welcome to Shoot Me Straight. Dave Fields here today with Nate Palmer. He's a fitness coach, and I got to meet him through uh, my coach in jujitsu. Um, he's down here on vacation. Uh, he also has his own podcast, right? Yes, yeah, sir. What What's the name of your low carb hustle? Okay. Why low carb hustle? Well,
1: actually, I had a podcast. I started my first podcast called Million Dollar Body, which is really like my brand and everything. I started that in 2018. Um, but I was just kind of cranking along at like 50 downloads per episode or something like that, you know, got up to hundred a couple times. And then I had an, I was, um, I wrote my book, million dollar body method in 2021. And my goal was to get on hundred podcasts to, over the next year to blow up the book. Wow. And so I would just, through the course of this journey, I, I had just reached out to a bunch of people. I was like, Hey, who should I meet? Who should I get on? Like, who, can you introduce me? And ended up running these guys who ran this show called low carb hustle and they were like, well, you could come on, but we're trying to either sell the show or um, shut it down because we're trying to do like kind of other things right now. Huh. So, like, well, tell me more. I didn't intend to buy a show, but like tell me more about that. And they were getting like 2,500 downloads like per month or so, which was 10x what I was getting. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, I, I'll jump in on that. So kind of talk to some of my, my friends and mentors. And they're like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Just try it out because it wasn't like he wasn't selling it for that much. And so started doing that. And then I think just do it using that, using the Instagram page, and then he actually gave me all of his email list too, which was like 10,000 people. Wow. And so from there, I just, now we're getting about 70,000 downloads per month. Awesome. I just kind of through some advertising and, and being a little bit more intentional about social media stuff. But I think it was just a bigger base to draw from, you know, rather than trying to building something from scratch, buying something and then kind of like morphing it into the way I wanted it to go. Hundred percent. So I've I've owned it myself now for uh, almost two years yeah. and been running it. We're, uh, we just released episode two hundred seven yesterday today,
0: today. Wow! Congrats! Thanks.
1: So that's it's uh, it was kind of like a, a buy and then build rather than like build from scratch idea, which i had been looking at a lot more with some of these like even like small business things like laundromats or like uh, Coinbase vending machines and stuff. Yeah. Just trying to figure out a way that it could like. Buy something that was already working, and then continue to build on top of it. So that was kind of my first foray into that.
0: Yeah. So so many so many guys that I've known that have tried to do that, where or e- even companies that have like done M and A stuff. Man, it always it usually always goes pretty bad. Like it's tough to do, but for you to get that, that's a rare thing for that to line up, and you be able to just acquire it, morph it into what you want. It's just small enough size for you to not have to handle like tons of different money financing and stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. That's cool.
1: And I think it was also helpful when I, you know, was talking to them about how do you continue this legacy? They've had this show for a long time. It's been rebranded a couple times, you know? So it wasn't like, it was kind of their baby. And I was like, I want to take care of it. I want to grow it. I want to make sure more people hear about it. Yeah. And I think they were, they were, down with that. So they had me on, introduced me. They promoted me a couple different times, promoted me to their lists. So it was really, it was a really seamless handoff too, which was great. And I'm still close with the guys who I bought it from.
0: How often do you do podcasts?
1: I release one or two a week. So either I release, like basically I'll do a longer form episode that I split into two parts. What I found is that my audience is generally around that 25 to 30 minute, like they don't have, they won't just sit and listen to a 55-minute episode. It either gets broken up or it just drops off at that kind of the halfway mark. Yeah. So when I started splitting my episodes and doing tw- two 25-minute episodes, yeah. I started getting a lot more downloads. And then sometimes I will release a, like a coaching-style episode on Fridays uh-huh. where I'll just have people call and they, people book, book like 15-minute blocks of my time and just like, they can just ask whatever. Oh, cool. And sometimes I'll release that as an episode. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's been fun because I feel like people get a chance to see what my coaching style is like and how yeah. much I yell.
0: So. How long have you been coaching? people in it.
1: I've been doing, I was started as a personal trainer in 2008 wow. and I worked as a like in-person trainer until 2015. And then that was like, we were in, my wife and I were in Seattle at the time and we sold all of our stuff, both quit our jobs. And then we moved to South America for a year. <laughs> and the, a deal. that was, yeah. And so at that point I was like, how do I continue to take the clients and the people I've been working with and this expertise and the, like this thing I love and turn it into something that has location freedom. You know so the goal is time locate time and location freedom, right and I haven't gotten the time y- yet getting closer, yeah but the location freedom to be able to work from anywhere, so like we're sitting on like a jungle boat in Panama leading tours where I'm like going out with a big like million lumen flashlight at night looking for crocodiles <laughs> the next morning getting up and like writing strength training programs for clients. It was <laughs> unbelievable so that's, that that's
0: sounds kind of kind of
1: fun oh, it was incredible know. yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, this, there was this place, yeah, like, just the so the places we worked and, like, the things we got to experience while we were, like, living abroad was unreal. And to have a job that supported that was fantastic.
0: And a wife that supported that. Bingo, yeah. <laughs> when you were, did you bring up South America to her, or were you just like?
1: Yeah, so, um, we we met in college. I graduated from the University of Arizona in 2008, and uh, so she graduated the year before, but she moved to Ghana to to work at an orphanage for a year. So my senior year of college, she's, she's in Ghana, Africa. And I get to talk to her like once a year. It was a rough year for me. My friends were like, please never leave again. You can't don't leave him with us like this. <laughs> um, so, and then when she got back, I basically was like, well, I want to travel. I want to go to South America. This is something that's been on my mind for a long time, but I also want to get married. So like, which like we got to push one of those things off. So we got married in 2011 with kind of the idea that eventually we'll figure out a way to make it to do this thing. And it just kind of, it li- everything lined up at that point where we had saved, we had saved enough money. We had found this job in Panama through this website called workaway.info, which if you're interested in like going somewhere, <clears throat> it's, it's fantastic because they like basically people give you room and board and you just work three, four or five hours a day at their place. Wow. So we worked on this small island, um, like this little this little organic farm for a couple couple weeks. We worked as tour guides in the Panama Canal for like five months. Worked on a pig farm in Ecuador. Uh, did an after school program for kids in Peru. Like, wow, crazy shit. And and then we got you know obviously we had to like travel and do like the like the tourist stuff for, for half the time too. It was fantastic.
0: I'm assuming this is pre kids.
1: Yes, yes, correct. <laughs> we could, I think we could do it with kids, but it's going to look a lot different.
0: Yeah, I've seen some of those people that they're like, hey, we have some sort of passive income through online stuff. And so we're hopping on a boat for a year with our kids or stuff like that. And I'm like, man, not my kids. (laughs) Don't be that close. Dude, I got four of them. So I'm like, 'That'd be that'd be wild. The ship would get blown up. There'd be holes in it. (laughs) (laughs) But so when did you come back to the States from there?
1: Late late 2016, early 2017. Okay, were you back. coaching
0: people throughout that time? I mean, you said you started in 2008, so were you still? I mean, you're writing stuff on a blog or or something for, for uh, fitness, but were you coaching people too, like like remotely? Yeah. So I was, and I was sucking at it so bad. Yeah. It, was, it was awful. That's got to be tough to coach remotely for fitness.
1: Yeah. Well. Um, It's just like a skill like anything else, but I was a great personal trainer. I was awesome at it. I feel like I was very engaged with people, like regardless of like how good I was at programming and, and exercise stuff. Like, I feel like a lot of trainers you see just are somewhere else mentally looking at their phone, they're zoned out. And I think the main thing that I was really good at was just being really connected and in the zone. And so I thought I was going to take my skills as a personal trainer and transition them to online coaching and be the same. I was wrong. Because at first, like I was, I'm, I love training. I love exercise. So I was basically like, all right, you need exercise. Here's an Excel document with, you're going to do a goblet squat, you're going to do a step up, you're going to do a plank and it's going to be 30 seconds and 15 reps and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And I was just giving those people and like 10% of people would ever do it. Mm-hmm. Nobody else would, would get to it. And I was like, man, okay, well, what am I missing? Well, I need to go back and I need to film a bunch of videos. So I filmed like 600 exercise videos. So then I took all those, put them on YouTube, took my links, put them in my Excel documents, shipped those off. And I was like, that's going to solve it. It didn't solve it. (laughs) (laughs) So after a while I was like, man, I'm missing a big piece here. So I started researching and going harder into the nutrition side of things. So like 2017, 2018, I started doing a ton of research. And that's where I came into this style of eating called low carb backloading. And I've just been using that with clients and having a lot of success because it's not very hardcore. It's not like badass, like doing 75 hard or keto or something like that where it's very restrictive. It's pretty easy, but it's also pretty sustainable. So the people who can get involved with it and get, get on the, on the, like the right track with the style of eating, their energy goes up, their cravings go down and they find it very easy to eat in a way that allows them to drop weight kind of whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't even like think so much about nutrition up until that point. So I have been now coaching online for three years without even comp- including that sort of nutritional component. Yeah. And then now even like fast forward, it's been a couple of years since my book came out. It's been a couple of years since I've been really leaned into the nutrition side of things. And now I'm, I feel like I'm learning that it's not even about nutrition anymore. It's, it's about your mindset. It's about how you shape your identity with regards to fitness, exercise, and being a healthy person. I've worked with enough people now that like people can gut it out through a six week keto phase, but at the end of the day, if they still believe themselves internally to be the funny fat guy or the guy who cleans the plates after after dinner or whatever, you know, they're never going to be successful long term. Hmm. It has to start with a a shift in identity and belief about who you are and what your relationship is with your health.
0: Super interesting, interesting. So I, I was like, and I'm going to ask you kindergarten questions. around this stuff because I do not know that like I know enough to bring up stuff that I don't know anything about but like if if it was you know physical like doing the exercises um diet like nutrition and then mental aspect out of those three would you put it primarily mental like your identity your beliefs about yourself
1: I honestly feel like if if we were going to call it a pyramid I'd say mental is the base of the pyramid okay and I and I'm just saying this now. If you'd ask me three years ago, I'd have been like nutrition. If you'd asked me five years ago, I'd been like exercise. So maybe they'll change in the future. I'll be like it's spiritual. It's about grabbing crystals under your bed at all times. <clears throat> but but I think that if you don't have the the ability to change your identity, you do not have the ability to change your body long term. Hmm. I think that's like it. That's it's changing how I'm approaching coaching and training and the questions I'm asking and the onboarding process with new clients and things like that because. I want to address some of the, like the insecurities they have and the deeply held beliefs and the, the stories that people tell themselves. You know, I have some people who come in and like, well, I'm not an athlete. And I'm like, well, that's some, that's some BS. Like that's a cool story. But how is that serving you? I've never been good at exercise. Well, why would you like, why do you need to put that out there? Wouldn't it be equally as true to say every time I exercise, I get a little bit better at it. And which one of those two things serves you better?
0: How come you think they put that out there?
1: It's just, it's a story they tell themselves about why they're not able to be successful. Well, and it's like this, it's this crutch, like, hey, I'm just going to slide this onto the table. Like, I'm not good at exercise. So that way, when I, when I fail, I'll be like, oh, see, wasn't good. I told you earlier, I wasn't good at exercise. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, you know what? This is going to be hard. It's uncomfortable, but I'm going to lean in. And I know that every time I go to the gym, I get a little bit better at exercise. I get a little bit better. I get a little more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And people, but people also don't understand self-talk and how much of that comes to fruition. How much of the things that we put out in the universe actually come true and how these stories that we tell ourselves are true. You know, like you heard the quote before you, whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Super interesting. So you've almost gone from like, well, you went from like a fitness coach to like a nutritional coach to now almost like a life coach in this scenario. It, are the questions you ask real, like, open-ended questions now in the beginning of, like, what, what would you describe yourself in terms of fitness or things like that?
1: Yeah, a little bit more, like, streamlined with, like, with fit, with fitness and kind of staying in that zone. I don't love to go down the life coaching route, like, where I'm, like, now counseling or working on people's relationships and stuff. Like, that's, I just I tend to be like, you should probably find somebody else to chat with about that. But obviously like relationships matter in fitness and you know, how do you, how, if your wife is mad at you constantly because you're, you know, always prioritizing the gym and you're not eating with the family and stuff, well, that's not going to last either. So we've got to figure those things out. Yeah. But I try to, um, I think again, five, 10 years ago, I was obsessed with how smart I was and I wanted people to know. And now I'm, I'm beginning to get over that personally. So I'm asking more questions rather than giving more instruction. Because first I'd be, people would be like, well, I'm struggling with nutrition. I'd be like, well, here's what you have to do. All these smart things that I'm about to tell you. Whereas now i will be like, really what? Like, why do you think that's going on? What's been going on in your life that's causing you to struggle? What's caught, what's kept you from doing that in the past? Like cool, like cool vision. You want to lose 30 pounds and, and get in really good shape and feel s- super confident at the pool. What do you see yourself? What do you see keeping you from doing that in the next 10 months? What are the things that are going to pop up in your way? What have gotten your way before? Yeah. So a little bit more along those lines of coaching rather than so much like it's 40% protein,
0: you know, which is a time and a place. Yeah, you seem like you probably have a good, well, you seem like you've probably been through that journey yourself of like figuring out your own self-talk. And um, I mean, that's most people as they grow, um, especially if they're in an area of helping others, a lot of times it's related in some way to their own, Past like accomplishments or struggles, is that like is that some of how that came about, or were you just looking at analytics and going, "Hey, this is not working," and all of a sudden I need to change my approach?
1: A little bit of both, like talk, just having more conversations with people and stuff is see and seeing that, like this person's come comes into the program saying this. And, like, every time someone comes in saying this, they don't get results. Well, what's up with that? Why is that? Is that a me thing? Is that a them thing? Is that, that, is that a story thing? Mm-hmm. You know? But also, I think that one of the reasons that myself and a lot of people get into fitness is because of some deeply held insecurities about, what like, their life. For me, I think the reason I got into fitness is when I was 12 years old, um, I was at home by myself. My mom was dropping my sisters off at school. And someone came and knocked on the door. I didn't let them in. He came around the back door, broke the glass, came in the came in the back door and started stealing stuff out of the house. Um, I grabbed a steak knife from the knife block and I went to my room and I hid under the bed with like my little door locked. And I remember this very vividly of this guy coming down the hallway in heavy work boots, just boom, boom, boom. And then pounding on my bedroom door. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, guess I'm going to die. And I think at that point, two things happened. Number one, I started buying just ridiculous amounts of knives as like a 13-year-old, which had so many knives in my house. And number 2 I was like I'm doing pushups all the time I was just very insecure about it. how I was I felt powerless and I just didn't ever want to lose my autonomy ever again so I felt like if I had big enough muscles enough tattoos and a big enough beard no one will ever mess with me mm-hmm. you know and I think that's where it kind of came from this some like some of those insecurities and so that's what I've dealt with personally mm-hmm. and I thought I was good like I thought I was like oh I'm a fit person I'm 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 working out to be healthy but it was never really about that. And until I was able to identify what were those pain points, what am I running away from, and what am I actually running towards now, uh, that's when my life actually changed rather than just my habits.
0: Hmm. Dude, that's wild. That's a wild story. <laughs> At 12 years old, it, when your parents got home, were they, like, freaking out? I mean, like, yeah. what happened after that?
1: Well, I, I like, I was such a scared kid. There was a guy in my house. Obviously, I heard him break the glass. He broke in but i called my grandpa not the police because i didn't want to get in trouble for calling the police so my 75 year old grandpa came over and he's like you should call the police and so we did they came there my mom got there my dad came over you know so i think they were freaked out i i don't think that they were really letting like letting me see it as much i think they were probably like pretty upset though
0: yeah yeah wow that's that's uh, do you look back on that moment and uh, think of it as trauma, or do you look back on that moment and in grateful for it, or how do you look back on that now as being an adult
1: uh i don't i don't necessarily think of it as trauma I think you probably like easily could put that label on it but i i don't know if that serves me or like what that really does for me i feel like it's a it's a lesson I feel yeah. like it's a it's an easy way to look back into the mind of a 12-year-old and be like, oh, that's why you had some of those behaviors and why that's why you believe certain <laughs> certain things. So I think it's interesting.
0: That, that like, explains the knives. Yeah. The massive amounts of knives. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and just like, and I, I mean, you know, maybe I would have just gotten into like, you know, The Matrix came out in 1999. So that was like a big formative movie for me. Maybe I would have been into that sort of thing and the weapons and stuff anyways. But I think that was a real catalyst that made me be like, I have to get stronger. It is, like, otherwise I
0: will die. Yeah. I see so, I, I, I've i seen between counseling and just interactions with so many people of, like, I see so much of your past dictate dictating your future instead of letting it just be, um, instead of using it for your future, using it and not being, like, controlled by it. Uh, I think a lot of people, it's like they get stuck in, almost a victim mindset. They're victims of their past, mm-hmm. right? And instead of, in, you're like, wait, now you're 30-something years old. You're you a grown, grown-ass man. Yeah. And you're still letting these things in the past in high school or whatever, like, play out as an adult. And you haven't really processed that. You haven't looked at You haven't grown from that, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Lessons will be repeated until learned, right? Yeah. Have you heard the quote before, like, you need to make something about like until we make the unconscious conscious your life will be decided for you and you'll call it fate.
0: Mm, no, I haven't heard that one.
1: But like yeah. it's the same thing what you're saying, like if you until you stop repeating those patterns and you look back and like actually become self-aware enough to analyze like yeah. why am I doing this? What? Like where is this coming from? And yeah. what can I learn from this? What is this experience actually like trying to teach me? Yeah. It's hard to escape those spirals and those patterns.
0: Yeah. 100%. So I'll give you one of mine. I won't, I won't just ask you to share your past stuff. I'll, I'll give you one of mine. <laughs> give me
1: some trauma. i need
0: I'm ready for it. <laughs> so, and, and it's one that I didn't know until this past year. So um, I I started doing jujitsu. jitsu I went to one uh, small little session with a couple guys, and coach showed, showed me a trap and roll, right? And I'm like, dang it. Like, I know me. I tend to have an addictive personality, right? So, I was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, I don't have time for this. But, and now I see it, like, this is such a cool sport. I I, I have to I have to figure out when I can place it. Like, I have to figure out a way to, to be able to do this um, several times a week. And so, I started, my wife got me this uh, jiu-jitsu retreat camp. Went out to this jiu retreat camp and... um I hadn't, like, I was, like, two months in, and everyone that goes to, like, a high-end jiu-jitsu retreat is, like, I mean, they've been dedicated to it for, like, seven years, ten years. So I go there, and I'm, like, I don't even know positions. <laughs> you know, I'm, like, open guard, closed guard? like It's yeah. an arm bar. Yeah. <laughs> and so I go in, and and I'm, I'm trying, and I'm rolling with what I do know. I'm learning. And, uh, it's the first time for me to really kind of have like open role sessions where you're like five minutes and then a minute break. And then next in it, I, I'm like getting just smothered and (laughs) I mean, I, I got one, one thing happened during that is I had one role that I did not get submitted in. And for me, that was a win. And so, I was getting just smothered, and I had, it f- I was, like, starting to have a full-blown panic attack. And so I start looking back and stuff, and, like, why? Like, I know I'm all right, but it wasn't that, hey, I just need to breathe. I just need a breather because that's everyone. It was, like, I have to get out of this building. I have to, like, get out of everything. Like, I had to go out into nature, right? And I'm, like, I'm fine. I'm breathing. But, like, I couldn't calm myself down. And I start looking back through – um just trying to be inter- introspective with it. And my first memory that I had was um, was being in a car seat and uh, trapped in a car seat in front of a dope house. And while my birth mother was going and getting dope, I assume, and me just screaming my head off. And I don't, I don't remember, like, I don't feel it. Like, I don't remember any feelings or, like, I'm about to, you know, die or anything like that as a kid. But I remember that real vividly. Wow. And so it was this, like, of being trapped. And so I'm like, huh, ah, maybe, you know, but but if I'm like, okay, well, that means I can't do, I shouldn't do jujitsu. that's not the answer at all. The answer is like, oh, great, I've identified, I have, a, I have awareness of it. And so since I have awareness of it, now I need to try and put myself in that scenario so that I can work through it and push past it and overcome it. Because you're not a victim anymore. You know, it's like that, that should be the mentality of, Hey, these are, these are weak spots for me. How can I push into them, lean into them? Like you said, and move past them.
1: And I mean, like, that's a straight savage mindset of being like, yeah, I have this trauma of being in a closed space. And so now I'm going to lean into that and actually go to jujitsu and just get smashed by dudes, you know, who are bigger than me. Yeah. But like, even if that's not your experience, you can still take that lesson of being like all right so i have these i have this experience what does that tell me about me what do i need to go back and almost like reparent yourself yeah. in a certain way where you're like like what would you tell that what would you tell that kid like if you want to get real weird right now like yeah. what would you tell yourself in that car seat in that moment what did you need to hear
0: i don't know i don't know that one that's a tough one uh that uh you'll be okay i guess maybe yeah and i and i think of Time that—that's what I tell myself when I'm getting, because I've I intentionally put myself in that scenario, mm-hmm. and that's what I kind of will go through. Is just like, hey, kind of take it, you know, thirty seconds at a time ish, and just being like, okay, just breathe. You're okay. You're not like let reality set in, because honestly, what goes on in your head is not reality. Mm-hmm. You know, right you're not gonna die. You know, (laughs) like in that car seat, I possibly was going to die. Right. Like, but right now, like on the mats with friends, like you're going to be fine. Like, but that's not what happens is not reality. And it's just resetting reality in your head and going, this is not what I'm freaking out about is not true. Mm -hmm. Right. I can breathe. Right. But don't, don't quickly escape it, like set in it for a little bit, you know, push uh-huh. yourself to set in it because when the more you can set in it um, and there's better stories than that. I mean, uh, one of the Gracie's <sighs> Huron or Hickson, maybe it's Hickson, um, had super claustrophobic and he made his brothers like roll him up in a carpet. And he said, I want, I want you to sit on me for 10 minutes and don't let me up no matter what I say. You know, that's gnarly. <laughs> that's, that's savage. Yeah. I and so. I mean but but it's still that mindset of and you don't have to go that extreme I don't know if everyone has to go that extreme but dude if you let your stuff if you don't face those things in whatever you don't face one quote is whatever you don't face that's your limits um and so you want to you want to push yourself past those limits because you're going to become a greater person on the other side you know absolutely and I think of even with your your podcast experience and stuff. You're going back and looking at analytics. You're going, hey, how can I make myself better? Um, and that that in of itself is just a pattern that you develop in yourself of going, hey, I'm going to be better. I'm going to grow. I'm going to have setbacks, but then I'm going to come back to it and I'm going to push past them. What What do you think helped? Do you think you've always had that, or you think you've developed that more and more over the years?
1: I don't know. I think that like if I look back on my my some of my earliest like video games, I was obsessed with like the RPGs that you could level your character up. Mm-hmm. I would like, I would grind for hours to like get the new sword or get like one extra strength score or something like that. So I feel like I've always had that kind of addiction towards growth and development. And I've just been able to take that and apply that in a positive direction rather than a potentially what it could have been a negative direction. So I feel like being able to see progress is like my number one mood enhancing supplement period, uh-huh. you know? The days you don't like, where I didn't feel like I made progress, I didn't make any moves forward, or like I'm like, mm, what a bad day. And my wife's like, we are you kidding me? We're at the beach. And I was like, yeah, well, I didn't get anything done. She's like, can you just chill for a second? <laughs> so I can be kind of annoying in that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is your wife like a good uh, balance for you? What oh yeah, my like? my
1: wife's incredible. She's she's the best. We've been together. We've been married for like twelve years now. Been together for like seventeen. Um, but she is she she says she's a type B by the way of type A. So she's very plan focused. She's got a she's got a plan. She's got an agenda. She has her things, and then since she has all that written down, she can rest and relax. So, hmm. she's a great balance for me in that in that way. And she's also just a fantastic human and amazing mom.
0: Yeah, I mean, she was she was working with kids, in
1: where was it? Ghana, Ghana. Yeah.
0: Dang, right? Yeah, was it through a Christian organization of some sort? Or yeah,
1: so she was. Uh, I forget. I forget the name of it. I think the the orga- organization was called Haven of Hope. Okay, but she was out there for like twelve months. Wow. Yeah, just teaching because she's a she she's a like a middle school math teacher, so she was out there teaching at the orphanage.
0: Wow! Mm-hmm. And so y'all, you said you've been married twelve years. When did y'all have your first kid?
1: 18, 2018. So we kind of we got married. We lived in Seattle. We traveled a little bit, and then when we came back, we was like, all right, scratch scratch that itch. What's the next adventure?
0: Did y'all come back to it? 2018, you come back to Seattle or?
1: No, we don't, we didn't know anyone out there. That was actually another thing that like, we got married in Phoenix. My friends and family all live in Phoenix. So everyone was there. And I like, we both kind of identified this as a way that we could have had like a really comfortable life. You know, we just kind of just stayed there, stayed in our jobs, whatever else. So in 2012, we quit our jobs and moved to Seattle without knowing anybody or having any work Mm -hmm. just because it was going to be a little bit of a challenge, a little different, you know, like we had the ability to do so. So I sold my personal training business at the time, moved up there, worked at like two or three different gyms until I found a great spot. She got a teaching job and it was it was like it was tough. The first year was tough, but we we kind of made a commitment to that we were going to be that for 2 years no matter what. Just like just to just to make sure that we're not just like going up and coming back down and giving ourselves an out. Mm-hmm. But it was crazy awesome for our relationship because it really fo- like showcased all the miscommunications and room for growth we had because we all only had each other to rely on and like lean on in some of these it's like in a tough scenario with like a people we didn't really know or like not like having a lot of big friend groups you know so I think that was one of the best thing that's ever happened to our relationship hmm. and so when we came back to Phoenix we, uh, it was because my, my family's there her family's there my sisters are there so we have a lot, lot more support so when for the babies it's much better
0: yeah well, yeah, boy or girl, first Yeah.
1: Oldest daughter, Renna, and then my son, Riggs, is two and a half.
0: Rena and Riggs, I like that. Riggs. It and your son's two and a half, and your daughter's five, five and a half, five and a half. Awesome. And then, like, with having kids, how what's been the difference with you guys? Have you see like whole level of growth with you in your relationship with your wife?
1: Yeah, and I think that's like that's that. that was it has been made a little bit easier by having that like the Seattle experience and already having some stuff to, to lean on there. But man, the level of community, we have to over communicate about everything. Um, Cause otherwise it's just, there's so many moving pieces and different variables and stuff like that. So I think that being able to accurately be like, okay, so right now I think what I need is a little bit of space. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. And is there any way you can spot me on this? And she's like, yes, go do go to jiu go to the gym, do something, get out of the house, mm-hmm. you know? And then her being like, I have been home with the kids all day. I need to go get a pedicure and I cannot be touched by any humans for four hours. And I'm like, <laughs> go, Keep, yeah, be, be gone with you. You know, yeah. but like being able to actually say those things and trust that the other person has your back, I think is huge. And that's that's been a big area of growth with with this. Also just like she she's the type of person who won't ever ask for help. She'll just do all of it herself. And she's very capable. And I've been learning kind of as like – to be the best dad, the best husband and kind of just bring a really healthy level of masculine energy to the relationship that I need to be stepping up more in order to like create spaces for her where I'm the one who's like, Hey, we're doing this at this time. We're going out to dinner and we're going to go to this place, you know, and like little things like that, I think just give her the ability to take a breath and not feel like she has to be in charge. So creating those like little containers of of I've got this, we're doing it like this, here's the decisions that I've already made so you don't have to make them. Um, that's been a really big lesson for me in the last year or so.
0: Mm, that's a good word. It, you said masculine energy. I thought masculine was toxic. It is. Super toxic. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, it, 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 you see it allow her to be in her feminine?
1: Yeah, she's she tends to like live in the, mascu- like, the more masculine energy. She's like... She's very organized, very type A, very like, um, I would say she's as far as females that I've met, very not emotional. So I wouldn't say that she's like relaxing into her feminine as much, but I feel like she doesn't need to necessarily step up and then make all the decisions. So it's a work in progress. I think I got some work to do on that. Yeah. Cause I can tend to be like, she's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't care. And I thought I was just being cool. Like yeah. being super chill guy. But like a lot of times I don't think that's the answer that people need, you know? Yeah. I've been making decisions all day for everybody. Can you just pick something?
0: Yeah, yeah, so, for sure.
1: Yeah, because I think like I feel like the same way. Like, oh, isn't masculinity supposed to be toxic? But I read this <laughs> book <laughs> called "The Masculine Relationship" by G. S. Youngblood. Yeah. I'm part of this group called Front Row Dads, yeah. and so it's like it's um, their tagline is uh, "Family Men with Businesses, Not Businessmen with Families." And so the, a bunch of guys in this small group as a part of that group. So like the group's probably like 200 guys and there's six guys in my band and they were reading this book said it was the best book on relationships they'd ever read. So I checked it out and uh, very interesting mm-hmm. kind of talk like actually defining the like feminine energy and masculine energy. And I was like, can we do that? It's <laughs> 2023, but, but it was great. And I think that like, it just gave me some ideas on how I could step up and be a better leader within the family.
0: Yeah. Uh, Have you noticed a shift even in the last year where she responds to that well that it's helpful for her?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, it's, I can see it in how like calm and relaxed she's able to be. I feel like if she has to make all the decisions, then she's a little bit more like, I wouldn't say closed off, but like she's a little bit more like ready to go. And if I can take some of those, those things off her plate, even if it's as simple as like, hey, I, we're, we're we're going out to dinner. I already know where we're going. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, she can just show up and enjoy the ride, and like, and she's in a more fun place. And then the other thing I think has been really helpful is trying to create spaces for her to go do things that she likes to do. So she just kind of discovered this dance class she really likes, really enjoys. And every time she comes home from that, she's glowing. She's just yeah. so happy. So I try to find like like at least one time per week that she can go do that and then come back and like with her tank filled. You know.
0: Yeah. Have you noticed a difference between, like, as you're growing in your relationship with your wife, it affecting the kids?
1: Uh, I don't know if I would be able to, like, quantify it, yeah. but I always want to make sure that my son sees how I treat my wife and uh, and starts to understand, like, that's the, the standard for relationships, and with my daughter, I've always said that, like, I want to make sure that no other man stands up, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I want her to see how I treat her mom, and then her be, like... Like, how, how are any of these other people in relationships if you guys are not acting in these in these ways? Like, I've, I want to see them, like, us, like, solving problems, being on the same page, you know? I feel like there's a lot of times where it's like, well, mom said this, well, dad said this. We always say, like, hey, we're on the same team. If, if mom said it, if dad said it, like, that's it. That's, like, the end of the story. So, yeah. and then I want to see them, like, I, wanna, I want them to see us um, getting through conflict, having, having discussions in front of them, Coming to conc- like coming to like conclusions without yelling or getting like getting f- angry or whatever else, and then I also want to see want them to see me being affectionate towards her every single day.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. That's awesome, dude. That that to me, I think there's that's so needed, especially nowadays. Um, just uh, the couple we had in last week, they said a phrase that's more caught than taught with their kids. Totally, um, and just being a demonstration of what a healthy marriage is like. And they're a an credible couple, um, and they really actively practice. I don't think it happens by default. I think, I mean, and I think it, my belief on it is it really comes to the man to initiate it, to start it, of actively pursuing your wife, dating your wife, uh, uh, thinking about how that rolls to your kids. I mean, yours are 5 and 2 now, but 10 years, they'll be 15 and 12, and... 20 years, it's like, dude, 25, 22. That's, it's wild. Um, and wanting to think think long term and then roll it backwards. I had a guy one time tell me, uh, which it's some of the best things are some of the just common sense. That, <laughs> and, uh, but so I don't get though. them a lot. Like a lot of times I, I overcomplicate it. All right. And he is a brilliant, brilliant man. He's, he's had, six kids, they're all grown now, Um, very level-headed kids, really, really good kids, or young men and women, and so he said a while back, he took it just like a business problem, and he said, here's what I want in results. He's like, I want them to be able to not necessarily make tons of money, but manage it well. Um, have a good respect for it, right, to know how to budget, like stuff like that. He's like, I want them to have a relationship with God. There's only so much I control with that. I more demonstrate it. You know, he's like, I want them to be respectful of others and to not scream and yell to get their way or, you know, I want them to be in respect. Like he he lists these things, and then he's like, if I want that at 20, 18, 20, well, then work it backwards just like you would do any other business. And I'm like – geez, that's so smart. <laughs> so I began to do that with, I'm, I'm doing that with my kids.
1: But it's also not like, it's not like you, you would like take this thing and make a proposal and you're like, all right, go ahead. You know, like it's, like you said, it's on the, it's on the man, you know. And I, I believe that, you know, you have to take personal responsibility for, for anything that happens to you. Like I think that that's, that's something that you should you should be doing. So I feel like it's not hard for me to say, yeah, as a man, that's your role, that's your job to provide that stability and support, you know? Mm-hmm. But then you have to show up every single day and do those things. And when you don't do them, you need to apologize and, like, make those things right so the kids, again, see mm-hmm. you resolving that. But I have such a problem with people who tell their kids, hey, you can be anything you want to be. Like, you can do whatever you want in this life. You know, you need to be respectful of your mom. And then, like you said, it's more is caught than taught. And then they go and they, they work a job that they hate they have a bad relationship. They're always yelling. You know, their health sucks, you know. And so their kids are looking at them like, really? Is Oh, so everything's possible? Then, like, why are you doing this, you know? You need to be nice to your mom. Well, you're not nice to her. Why would I be? You know, so I think it's, it's uh, those daily disciplines of staying top of mind with those things and making sure that, like, whatever your outcome is tw- 10, 20 years from now, those activities have to take place every single day for the rest of the rest of your life. Otherwise you can't expect your kids to follow through on like your lessons. Right. Yeah. I put up a u- video on YouTube, like just a short, like 16 second clip where I was talking about this and I got so much hate on that. People who were like, Oh, sorry for wanting better for my kids. I was like, well, it's not like, it's not like you can't want better, but you have to show them that integrity. And are like, well, what about a single mom working three jobs? I'm like, yeah, She's showing them what, like that work ethic, you know, like I'm talking not about, I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about you with like the belly and, and the, like the health problems telling your kids that they should, you know, be like, get outside more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Like, like I've had a couple of guys be like, my kids don't listen to me. I'm like, bro, look at you. You don't listen to you. Like you, you expect your children to like step up because you're older He's like, you have no respect for yourself. You say things all the time that you're going to do. Diet starts on Monday. New Year's resolutions. You don't listen to yourself either. Why would they?
0: Mm, come on, yeah. It's, it's,
1: men, the, the dad sets the tone. Mm. I believe that.
0: Yeah, that's a good. mean, that's a good word. If 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 you don't, and I I also don't look at my wife and go like, look at what you. I honestly now. At times, at times, I, I don't do this perfect. Let me preface that. But, like, I, even if I don't do it perfect in the beginning, pretty quickly I can pull it back down and I'll go, well, if I'm upset with, her, like, how have I set the stage for this to, you know, well, for a while there we were uh, just, I mean, we were broke and we were just hustling, hustling. I was trying to start my Software company. And I just built this culture of hustle within my household. Right. And so my wife's hustling, I'm hustling, and like, you know, put the kids to bed and then work and then work and work. And, you know, I'm now trying to break, I'm breaking and have been breaking that habit because of what I built for that time. You know, some of that may have been necessary. I mean, it's, there's also some fruits from it too, but like, but that's not where we should be now, right? We should now we're doubling down on our relationship. We're doubling down on our kids. We're doubling down, you know, um, with friendships too, and and less work and hustle and hustle and hustle. Um, but I've had to. I can't look and go like, how come you're hustling right now? It's like, yeah, you know, I've built that culture in there, um, and that's that ownership part. It, it's at, to be honest, it's actually freeing. Um, to own things uh, as the man, because because if you own it, then you can do something about it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're a victim to other 100%. people, and, and it's like, hey, you don't like this. Well, maybe you had a part in in how it is now that you don't like, and if you can own that part, you have to own that part before you can turn around and change it. I believe. I
1: think that even like when it comes to like marital
0: marital fights too,
1: like. The, one of the things that was interesting about this book I read was that he was saying like you let your woman be your muse. You know, like she's she's mad at you. Well, that's probably something you did wrong. And he wasn't like you know like let her beat on you. But he's like look back and see was there a way that you're not making her feel safe? You're not you're not making her feel seen, or you're not like setting some structure in the relationship. Cause chances are the reason she's mad at you is not because you left the dishes out. It's because you said you were going to do it and she doesn't feel like you prioritize a relationship. So like take responsibility and ownership. Let those, those like irritations that she has with you help you become a better man and fix those pieces. You know? And I think that when you take that responsibility, Hey man, I was late because the traffic was so bad. No, you were late cause you didn't check traffic and you left too late. That's why you're late. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, that outlook, then it's like, well, Now I can fix it. I can change my fate. You know, like I have a hand in what's going to happen to me. I'm not at the mercy of just this spinning maelstrom of choices that just happen to me all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It do. It's freeing. Totally. It's, it it is. I mean, it, it sucks. Like owning stuff. You're like, well, dude, I've been trying really hard and it's like, okay. Owning it doesn't mean like uh, owning. It doesn't matter. Right? Like what matters is how you handle it. And if you don't handle it, then that is going to matter because it's going to perpetuate and you're going to get resentful. There's going to be all sorts of stuff that come from it. But if you just own your parts in it, and, and, and especially with man, like a lot of times it's, it's the stage that you set. Um, it's, it's like you said, not about the dishes. It's about your word and your integrity. And, like, the dishes are just an example and I think there is a little bit in there for men of learning, like, some education about, like, women and communication. <laughs> Just because it's like, wait, you said these words. And it's like those words aren't necessarily sometimes what's trying to be communicated to, <laughs> you know, it's like. And so for them, sometimes some education would be helpful. But also when you do start owning thing, owning it and changing and being consistent and what you say you're going to do, you do. Like you have to have some time. There's a concept in the Red Pill. It's it's called a thousand foot tow rope. It's basically like you change when your actions change. Like it's like a thousand foot tow rope. Like you turn the ship, but it takes a while for for the for your wife to come on board and see. And so she has to see those actions for a while and consistently to trust. Um, so like you change things. You're like, hey, I've been working out consistently for a week. I've been cleaning the. And it's like. <laughs> It's been a week, and yeah. it's like, well, it may be like several months before like really seeing some changes in her to ar- around trust in you and your word. Yeah.
1: I mean, One of the core values of the Million Dollar Body program is be inevitable with your word. So like do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it because I don't care if someone says they're going to work out six times per week or two times per week. We already talked about exercise. You know, like we're, we're going to get there, but like if you said it, you better do it. Because otherwise you're a liar and you know, you're a liar and no, and everyone else knows you're a liar. And then there's no, like, there's no reason for you to get results because you're a liar and you always, and you make excuses and you don't follow through. So whatever you say, you have to do it. You know, like there are some people who are like, oh man, I'm going to write a book. And you're like, okay, cool. You know? And then there's some people who are like, man, I think I'm about writing a book. And you're like, Great. Awesome. Tell me when the ribbon cutting ceremony is, you know, like you just know the people who are, who are going to do what they say they're going to do versus the people who are like, yeah, I'll beat your house. And you're like, I'll believe it when I see you walk through the doors, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and just who do you want to be around and who do you want to be as a human? You know, I think that if you don't have that inevitability, like your word is now worthless, right? It doesn't carry any weight at all. And I think that you lose out on so many good things with that.
0: Yeah. We're talking about jujitsu competitions, like the first one I signed up for. And I'm like, I know it's an all day thing, right? And when you got wife, four kids and business all sort of, like a whole day's very valuable. Yeah, it's expensive. And so you're like, but I signed up for it. So therefore, you know, it was in fully Alabama. So I'm like, All right, I signed up, so therefore I'm going, right? Like I've committed to this, so therefore I'm gonna do it. Um, and there's, but there's something about when you, because I was uh, even, even four or five years ago. Um, I didn't keep my word all the time to my, especially to myself, but um, on little things, right? And little things are sometimes the biggest things, right? And so, be like, oh, okay, yeah, we're gonna have a meeting this time, and then like, okay, no, never mind, sh- scratch it, or you know, and it's like I wasn't staying consistent. And there's something when you start going, hey, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And when that happens, and it's like it momentum, and it builds. And then, therefore, one, you stop saying you're going to do things because you know you're going to have to actually do them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it cuts out on a lot of like, hey, you want to go hiking tomorrow morning? You're like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do not because I know at 6 a.m. I'm going to be like, I'm sick,
0: real tired. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, like, the momentum that builds in the confidence, I think there's a confidence that, especially to yourself, honestly, like even if no one knows it but you've made that goal or you've set that for yourself, it builds and it, and it com- compounds, so to speak. And, therefore, you have more confidence in yourself that, hey, I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to figure out a way to do this. And this is what I said. I'm going to, like, get my butt up and do it. Right? We do jiu-jitsu here at 5 a.m. 445, I'm like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, okay, I've committed to it. I've said it, you know, and, it, and it's not that been perfect, right? But, like, almost, and it's like, man, I, if I say it, I'm going to do it. And and it compounds, and then it allows you to, I don't even know how to say it, like take more, you have this more sense of, not control, but like like a, a healthy sense of power over your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I know power is probably not a. You can leave
1: your thumbprint on your on your life. You know, I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. You just don't feel like as as victimized. Essentially, you feel like you can you you can make choices and they may, and they matter. Yes. I, I think your kids see it too, right? Like, I talked. I see a lot of dads who are like, "Hey, stop doing that, or or something's gonna happen," and then nothing happens. So their kids are like, "Really?" Like. And I think when you start taking yourself seriously in that regard too, being like, "Hey, like, don't do this. You're not gonna like what happens next," you know, like, and then the kids are like, "Well, mom and dad don't lie to me," you know, like they basically follow through on whatever they say. So there's just more now weight to to your word. And it also, again, it keep, like, keeps you from dying on every hill.
0: Yeah, Sometimes your kids are you're just, like, you're "Hey, if I say like, it,
1: yeah, you're like, I'm not just gonna walk away. I don't need to make any threats right now. I can't fulfill those."
0: Yeah, yeah. My wife will tell me all the time. She's like. I've told him seventeen times, and I'm like, I'll 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 go okay. I need to tell my wife, don't say seventeen times. Like, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times it's what's more helpful is just demonstrating. But when I come in, my wife even threatens me, right? She's like, I'm gonna tell dad, right? Because they know, hey dad, dad's gonna spank me, dad's gonna put me in timeout, dad's gonna take away whatever, um, whatever toy it is that they're obsessed with at that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and it's like, and I have to. I'm I'm not perfect at it at all. I, I should preface that, especially with kids, because kids are like a constant test. Um, which is so cool if you look at it from that way, because you can't have kids and them not make you better. Um, well, I guess maybe you can, but but if you're really actually trying to be a good dad, like they're going to make you better constantly and at the worst times and throughout the whole day (laughs) and and it's just going you're just going to grow so much for them and honestly like some of the most in in their thoughts and their innocence and stuff like that they say some of the things that I'm like man you just nailed me you don't know it you don't know it but you hit me between the eyes like I needed to hear that (laughs) so funny
1: I think kids are the same way like they you know you tell them you tell them one thing where you're like hey, we're all going to start eating healthy or whatever else. And they're like, sure, sure, sure. And then they see you do it for years and years, and that just becomes a part of your family identity, like the hustling you were describing. Mm. You know, I feel that. So like, I think a lot of times also people are like, hey, I, like I'm trying to get my wife to get in shape with me. I'm trying to get her to do whatever. Uh, I would try to get my wife to stop scrolling Instagram for about a decade. Uh, like, So she would just be in bed at night just scrolling. And so what I would do is deliberately every night I'd put my phone down and I would read my book. And I did this for seven years straight without missing, without missing a day. And then just as last year, she's like, I think I'm gonna start reading. And since then she's read like 80 books a year for the last wow. two years, but it took all, like it took almost eight years for her to like jump on board with that and her seeing me do it every single night. So yeah. and then just like that, coming back to being that example and showcasing what, what you want rather than. Being like, like the kind of the thousand foot, thousand foot toe line, right? Yeah. Takes a minute, but it's worth it.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, you you stop looking at your wife for like validation or for uh, like she needs to come. Up, like, there's still a little part in you that thinks, okay, like she's she's part of the problem. If if you're waiting for her change of some sort of way, and, and I'm grateful for that now because it's like, no, I change, whether she does or not. And therefore it it eliminates putting responsibility and weight on her. That shouldn't be on her. Mm -hmm.
1: And also it's like, that's yeah. It's our responsibility to like bring everyone in the household up. Right. If we're constantly falling to the level of like your kids, right. Like then you're eating BS cereals and watching cartoons on Saturday morning. Right. Like it's our job to elevate the standard. Right. No one like in, in business, you know, if you're at 70%, no one's going to go 71%. No one's going to go to 100%. You know, you have to be 100 so people can go 99.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Leaders set the tone. They do. Awesome. Dude, I love I love this podcast. I love the tone. How can uh people subscribe or go check out your content? You
1: just find me on OnlyFans. <laughs> uh yeah, you got I'm on Instagram a lot. Uh, underscore million dollar body. If you just search million dollar body, I'm probably top of the list. Uh, the low carb hustle is where I put out a lot of content. But yeah, any any of the social media platforms I'm I'm around on. So and if people want to check out the book, they want to see kind of like the idea, I you can anyone can get it for free. Just go to getnatesbook.com. Uh if you want
0: it on Audible or, or the hardcover, it's on Amazon. So Okay. And we'll put the links down in the description. Here. Cool. Um when are you coming to Santa Rosa Beach next? No
1: plans. This is my first time to like this this part of the world. What do you think? I love it. Like this is the greatest beach I've ever seen in my entire life. And th- like I've been to I've been to epic level beaches that are like that people travel a long ways to go to. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. The white sand and the the green water and like the stillness. Although it did see like a six foot shark while I was paddle boarding yesterday like two days ago.
0: Yeah. I was yeah, like I was like, maybe
1: lot. I gotta be not in the water anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of sharks out here. I believe it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. And thanks for having me, David. Appreciate you.
1: Okay.